A phonic exchange is an experiment in playful pedagogy led by artists Kerry Han and Roseanne Bartley, co-opting liquid architecture's social media presence to provoke responses and mutate social exchange mechanisms. Curated a brief facility talks to Kerry and Roseanne about the ideas behind the series of participatory prompts and the use of social media that structures the project. A phonic exchange can be found on Liquid Architecture's Instagram, at liquid underscore architecture. Good morning, Kerry and Roseanne. It's nice to have you here uh, with us today to talk about your project, Aphonic Exchange, uh, as part of the Unearthing program uh, brought up by Liquid Architecture. Uh, my name is Debris Facility. I'll be uh, speaking to you about the project and I've kind of initiated and curated this series as well. I'm speaking to you from my apartment on uh, stolen Wurundjeri land. I think it's important if we're going to talk about exchange also to kind of you know, foreground that with the theft of, you know, dispossession that um, kind of houses us literally and kind of um, psychically as well. So I'd like to kind of just get you to introduce um, yourself and, you know, maybe a brief outline of your practice and um, more specifically, yeah, what is Aphonic Exchange? Um, what's coming up for us? Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, Aphonic Exchange, uh, a voiceless exchange, um, a... a silent exchange um the maybe the sonic characteristics of the visual or visible uh signs and signifiers that can be shared uh, through social media platforms and uh maybe in addition to what you what you just touched on is the uh is these you know these technologies uh, and all technologies are part of that process of colonization and coming to know how they um they operate through investigating them in different ways can be an important aspect to uh you know to uh, some going going some way towards the understanding of the depth and complexity of um the situation with that that we all find ourselves in as far as being on stolen um territory mm-hmm. yeah so i mean those are those are some initial points i mean basically the these our uh game and watches and kind of uh you know variety of different um devices uh, uh you know Walkmans and kind of like uh, iPods of all kind of, you know, um, and, and uh, credit cards and, and different forms of um, material exchange and kind of uh, have all, all kind of, you know, come colluded in a way or, or um, coalesced in, in the form of a, a mobile phone that does all these things, you know, including the tracking and listening to us and all these other things. But, uh, but you know, what we're kind of interested in is the possible possibility of this being a uh, utilised also as a, um, well, maybe a, a pictorial permaculture of ideas that, uh, you know, a garden bed for being able to, you know, you know rearrange and distribute some, um, uh, like, variations on what is currently kind of um, being thought about uh, and you know rather than using it in the in the way that we receive actually having a more active role in in utilizing it um in the sharing of ideas thanks kerry um i mean yeah roseanne could you introduce your practice a little bit and um yeah what your contribution is to this uh yeah aphonic exchange uh thanks debris well i would say that Firstly, my relationship to the project is kind of as the sort of structural kind of orienter, kind of gatherer of ideas and, and yeah, I think um, 
it's been an interesting process to to kind of work through given that we can't sort of be in the same physical space as each other. And so that, in a way, has also kind of mediated this exchange and kind of brought us to this sort of situation where we're a bit burnt out with meeting others on the flat screen and, um, you know, sought to sought to sort of try and find another platform or, or a approach to, to gathering when it's kind of restricted as it is. And so I guess, yeah, it's interesting to kind of think about my practice in relation to that because in a way I work socially and through kind of material practice and and specifically it's framed through this kind of inquiry into and perhaps rejection of this thing we know of as jewellery, which I tend to kind of problematise rather than accept. And and I think that's in part because I'm I am in conflict with my human condition and my situation in the world. In and um uh, so I think it for me it's it's kind of a quite a potent platform, but it's often one that's sort of overlooked and and um, marginalized as kind of irrelevant, you know, somehow kind of ornamental and therefore irrelevant. Yeah, so that's so I come from probably that interest and orientation and meet with Kerry, who has this kind of wonderful what has been a really a conversational practice and and we've kind of met through that conversational practice on the street many occasions and he through his kind of joy of messing with things whether they be objects or other kind of immaterial or hard to conceive of as material structures we kind of meet in that sort of mm. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I'd like you to, because there is like vernacular and linguistic elements within objects and how they kind of meet meet the human, how they can kind of um, both kind of be the platform and interrupt kind of language. So, yeah, like, could you elaborate on, yeah, like how do you think objects speak, how we might hear them? What are the kind of, yeah, like um, linguistic exchanges that are kind of um, materialized in both of your practices? Yeah, well, it's uh, it, what's well, interesting. The, um, the that I was included in a, a show last year that was you know themed around ventriloquy and uh, and yeah, so this idea of having objects that uh, that actually have a the capacity to speak in the absence of their you know their their not that there's an authorship so much as like a, a conduit that they be they become a conduit for a, an ongoing voice or an ongoing uh, voicing, uh, but that that can be um, you know doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, in a in relationship to a, a, an existing kind of, um, or it doesn't have to have a, an actual sonic like register in that it's that it's the perceived sound or perceived kind of voice that they have can be a large part of that. So that the, the anyone who's attempting to decode or decipher uh, kind of uh, the significance of a of or the meaning that is inherent within something is actually, you know, by virtue of that fact or by the act of that um, interpretation is actually voicing it. So it's actually this this provision of, in a way it's like the the to give voice to to objects or, or to you know to things I think is in a way um, leaving enough gaps for other people to 
to throw their own voice, you know, into those objects. So it's actually, you know, I, I see it less a, as a direct kind of authoring of the voice in things as much as t the what you need to leave out or take away or kind of rearrange in order that there's the capacity for a, a polysemic or kind of, you know, multi multiple meaning uh, that can be attributed to things and therefore the voice of others can be kind of, can fill those, those gaps. Mm. I mean, um, it's interesting thinking about the voice and kind of, um, you know, what voices are allowed in which platforms. So, yeah, for a phonic exchange, you'll be co-opting the Liquid Architecture Instagram account, you know, providing these prompts and scores. So, I mean, what are the pedagogical potentials for, you know, sound and listening in these platforms? What kind of dialogue do these platforms speak or enable? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that I've liked, and it's, you know, even the term co-opting has kind of, uh, you know, uh, multiple layers to it i think that uh and as i was mentioning earlier hopefully it can be a little bit more like a uh a permaculture of sorts like a uh, a kind of uh, you know an opportunity to kind of share in the um the productive or generative possibilities of this particular piece of territory that happens to be you know liquid architecture looked after by liquid architecture but is obviously um you know in the domain of a um much larger corporate feudal kind of regime of um of facebook and you know and other flows of global capital but but i think that uh, the well you know this is this is what happens is like you know i get on a um, on a tangent and, and forget exactly where i where i was heading so maybe i'll throw it to roseanne on on that on the rest of that um little kind of curveball i think it's kind of yes it's interesting in that with these platforms are of use and especially in a time when we are kind of removed from each other but it's kind of interesting the sort of habitual behaviors that um a they produce in us but also that you know we you know you can trace through some sort of quite oppositional or you know uh, uh, argumentative approaches they tend to to produce and in a way it seems like the kind of most prevalent voice is the shouting voice of late and and it's quite a dance to sort of you know move into that space and avoid that shouting or um, engage with that shouting um, in a productive way. So I guess, yeah, I think that what we're hoping, envisaging, is that um, this kind of workshop is a way of creating another type of activity or um, proliferating another type of activity within that space and, and seeing it as a creative platform, a publishing platform, rather than just a a virtue kind of splaining platform or a see my cat platform or, you know, like just hope, hopefully opening it up and making it a more productive space would be. Um, well, I think, um, you know, them being kind of, uh, you know, prompts or scores, like, you know, the score is maybe um, a pretty rich context within, you know, both experimental music and, you know, like broader, you know, um, art production in contemporary times. So, yeah, I think we've spoken specifically around like fluxus and these kind of um, object-based scores and these notions of kind of um, intermedia kind of practice or the way that, you know, these distributed modes of art making, the kind of decentralized nature of production and dis uh, yeah, dissemination of it. So, I mean, 
Are these kind of useful predecessors for your practice? How do you think they might align or disalign um, with some of these histories? Yeah, well, I think that that in a way it's the um, it's yeah that they are they're useful to reference and in, in, to some extent the um, the intention behind this activity is to be able to you know lead with the practice and but allow that practice to kind of uh, tie back into theory and existing theory so it's almost like a grounded theory approach where you, you kind of you know through the action action of doing and sharing like uh insights become available as to previous kind of modes of of how you know alternative modes of, of practice have been uh, structured but, but in, a, in a way i think that there's you know this is kind of an or attempting to kind of uh explore those scores that enable us to see the larger sort of score or script that is already in play like you know where it's almost like uh we're so deeply enmeshed and kind of constituted by the the, the larger score of like a technology or technique as it's applied to us through multiple technologies that it's it's actually you know the classic you know question that if you're asked to quit a fish like uh you know what constituted its environment the last thing it would mention if it could actually talk would be water but and and it's similarly like we are so deeply in all of this that uh that i think that what we're hoping to achieve through these uh detournments of uh, existing platforms is actually being able to see the effects of the larger score a bit better you know like it's actually it's the score that's already underway or that we're constituted by mm. and play with it yeah mm. mobilize it agitate it yeah i think um, play seems really integral and i mean you know there's Obviously, the, there's a two, two positions within, you know, a score or prompt, that being, you know, the score itself and the, you know, performance by another, you know, which is kind of, yeah, uh, distributed out. So what is the kind of tension between those or, you know, the generosity or um, agitation or, you know, is it, um, you know, what kind of affects do you think do these prompts also provide um, to people who might participate with them. Yeah, well, it's a, a, it's interesting that, that um, just to uh, also refer back to the this as a distributed form of um, of workshop, like that it's uh, you know one of the uh, just to a, a expand on uh, a point that Roseanne made earlier about the fatigue that's um, being engaged in real time on a on a you know two D face to face platform can be kind of quite restrictive, so that the the idea that this has the capacity to be, you know, quite a, a long-term durational, you know, accumulative kind of work that doesn't require immediate responses and it might actually have kind of a very slow kind of uptake because it's not, the emphasis is not on some kind of, you know, what do you got? Like, you know, here's the here's the prompt, you know, like, you know, we want an immediate kind of, the level of um, of involvement uh, can be a, as minimal as, as, as just considering the kind of, of the prompt itself mm-hmm. but of course like we're we're you know we would lo- would love to have or you know the aspiration is that there'd be more more kind of uh, complex kind of engagement with the project in that uh that a, a form of creative competition of sorts maybe like you know the idea that these almost kind of rna dna strains of people responding to other people's kind of uploads and that's where the the intriguing kind of non-linearity of hashtag assemblages come into play i think that these uh, insta stories that actually combine you know hashtags ideas um is a, a large part of this kind of uh, exquisite corpse of uh, and, and the possibilities of how that might 
kind of you know play out or you know generate new mimetic structures mm. um i'm not sure whether i answered your question <laughs> i don't think that's necessarily the point to get to i mean yeah because there are i mean what we're moving with or pointing towards is also the seemingly endless proliferation of the kind of field that we're working in like the media landscape that we're engaged in and that your work is going to be contributing to is like um yeah incredibly entangled you know proliferating virus like so and you kind of touched upon the kind of temporality and reach yeah what how do you think this as a you know spatial and maybe uh, sonic practice is the you know reach and amplitude and um yeah how things kind of congeal or settle or move quickly like yeah i, I know but it, it, part of that question reminds me of uh, something that came up in our conversation yesterday roseanne with regard to you know the the way that some concrete poetry was um you know utilizing interesting way ways of using the the technology that was available type the typewriter i think was one of yes and that e.e e. cummings poem in which he spatializes on the page backwards and downwards, you know, and, um, I mean, there's just a multitude of um, options out there, but I guess what makes it interesting is that, you know, in this instance, the digital platform and and the ephemerality of that plays into it. And um, I guess it's sort of at this point it's hard for us to predict and that's what makes it kind of interesting. Mm. We don't know. And we're learning as we go. And I'm not aware of any other plat- workshops delivered on this platform. And so I'd love to hear of some, of course, and see how they resolved or or worked with these kinds of questions and problems. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think also, yeah, this notion of concrete poetry because, yeah, I think poetic register as it can exist as, um, you know, somewhere between signal and noise and as a kind of camouflaging technique of, uh, you know, lots of kind of radical ideas have kind of utilised this as a, you know, specific tactic. Yeah, do you think that this relates to how you're engaging with this project? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, uh, like, there's a double meaning to political gags, you know, like, you know, the the, the wordplay, jokes, various things that uh, that can be, can either take a voice or provide a voice, like it's, uh, you know, the Pharmacon idea of, of, of a, you know, there can be a simul- simultaneous kind of straddling of, um, of that n- noise signal or kind of providing, um, especially if there's the capacity for a key to the cipher, like, a, you know, so a, there's a, an encoding of of sorts that enables you know quite complex ideas to be shared uh without them having the uh without them being over, overly um uh scrutinized in the in their really necessary kind of time of of ideas actually gestating and kind of developing like i think that there's actually a, a very and that the, the potential for ideas to be in a um shared in a state of play while they're developing rather than being required to be uh made public uh in a in a fully kind of resolved fashion so so i think all of those things are kind of things that can actually you know be or hopefully will will you know be in p- part of the uh the kind of you know variety of responses that's uh that, that are kind of explored but it's it's really up to you know up to people's kind of like you know sense of adventure really because yeah. yeah 
And it's really interesting to be doing it at this time in this time when we've been in this prolonged lockdown and we have no sense of when we're coming out of it. And so and we've got no sense of what it will mean to come out of it. So it's kind of there there are just unknowns that, you know, I can't imagine what kind of headspace we will be in in two weeks' time, whether we will be feeling just so depleted and unmotivated that actually these small prompts will, you know, be quite meaningful in our day or, you know, it's really, I find it really hard to sort of know whether the the small pleasure will come or the, the kind of the spark of motivation to kind of kick that day into into something so you know yeah I think yeah it's interesting that both of you had kind of yeah talked about you know like pleasure or humor or I think there's like a certain kind of intimacy uh and yeah generosity which has kind of played out which is you know interesting as a pedagogical kind of tool because you know so much pedagogy is about this kind of self-flagellation or suffering um whereas I think yeah like I mean jewelry does this as well like you know it speaks to um allure or you know desire in a particular kind of way and carries work as a kind of a gift often is there anything in kind of yeah pleasure and generosity which kind of sticks for yeah, you well, as i've articulated in other other locations that the, the uh my my gifting practice is, is like you know mutated into a gifting practice <laughs> and more often than not is actually you know not not on platforms on sort of more private channels of uh in, in addition to kind of text messages um like a, a gift of a gift uh that happens to be a, a little kind of um you know much much like a or a digital version of of what i often um exchange when encountering people in in public spaces but uh there's something about the uh unexpected like the indeterminacy of the response of another like whether it be in actuality real embodied space or online that that you know brings into the world like a uh, a sense of delight and wonder like you know that's that, that it'll always i mean hopefully it'll always exceed your capacity to expect what's you know what a, a response will be and and that is that is probably the most important and significant aspect of of existence as human beings anyway i mean it's all quite anthropocentric you know the, this kind of like dragging our digits across digital devices but you know just as far as our the you know the joy of encountering others yeah that's that's kind of my response to the question there mm. when you were speaking carrie i was also struck by this notion of kind of modes of address or you know modes of speaking and these platforms are both public and private in like a you know they intersect with that or complicate those kind of boundaries the conditions that we're in uh you know under lockdown kind of and trouble these kind of like boundaries of public and private or you know bring about heightened anxiety around what those things are and how we how we act or speak how we're read in them um how much does that kind of influence the project, if at all? Uh, well, I, I think that there's a point I was making earlier that's, uh, that I think relates to this with regard to formulating an opinion. Like, you know, you need, you kind of almost need to have the capacity to recede from public space out in order to, you know, uh, have time to incubate and kind of uh, formulate the ideas and also refine the, the ideas that you then, you know, compare with uh, with a, a kind of a more public discourse. So I think there's actually a, a really um, important kind of ebb and flow with regard to that. And it's also, 
it's under immense kind of uh, pressure at this point as the the public or the invasive nature of kind of these uh, connected systems kind of have further and further reach into our private domain, mm-hmm. even if it's only in a um, in a kind of covert way. You know that we kind of know and sense their presence, even if it's not. Uh, you know, although you can probably hear my screen beeping and sleeping away as as there's a teams meeting kind of like you know giving me all the updates that uh, that people are you know a certain subset of the public are on are up to out there i guess also though i think of this time i mean for me it's been a gift in itself like i think there are uh great riches to be taken from this time in terms of like it's it's really drawn us back to the local and and you know, I live near the Mary Creek and it's like sometimes it's like Burke Street Mall out there, but I kind of reflect on the changes of behaviour where we used to lock ourselves in our backyards to, to party and now we're doing it in the park and we've even got kids swimming in the Mary Creek, which is crazy, but really crazy. But I'm just kind of like, wow, you know, this way of, organizing ourselves is in in this in public space is quite extraordinary there's some of it that i would really like to kind of sustain beyond whatever this next thing is so yeah i just wanted to also kind of <laughs> it's not totally dystopic you know right. like yeah yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah and that kind of loops back to i think this idea of the pharmacon um you know, as a methodology seems really useful in this, like, you know, to be able to accept the contradictions or, you know, kind of like work with, yeah, both the, you know, constraints or difficulties as well as like your know, rooms for, you know, positive growth or, you know, um, shift that we might want to see. It's kind of interesting that the uh, one one um, example of the pharmacon is you know writing itself. So the the idea that it's simultaneously it extends uh, memory, but at the same time it kind of in a way to, has a del- deleterious effect on the capacity or even the necessity for us to remember, you know. Because so so there's a I think there's an element of of that which is you know that these these kind of uh, and there's a variety of different workshop activities that are uh, across a, um, a number of, of prompts but uh, that they they're actually you know intended to augment our kind of sense perception of the world in some way or another in a way by um, withholding the the voice or the sonic characteristics but uh, yeah but sort of provoking a um, a kind of some sort of like deeper consideration of the of the world that requires something other than just a um a, a reading of a text or a kind of a, a you know there's there's gaps that cause the the imagination to kind of exceed the the exi- its existing limits. Yeah, I'm struck by also like specifically Instagram how I feel like it's actively shredding my attention span or memory like uh this kind of like constant cycle of the scroll like having this um corrosive grind kind of effect so i wonder about the i mean yeah the the notion of echo within these platforms too like i mean how do you resurface these memories of you know these kind of engagements or i mean also the algorithm as a kind of enacting an echo chamber logic um, that we see what we want to see or, you know, we're kind of pedagogically funneled into these, uh, you know, pleasure synapse-seeking um, activities. 
the digital dopamine. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I think that there's you know further to what I was just saying that uh, that the the process of you know like a, I think I was attempting to articulate this the other day as as, as uh, it's difficult to tickle yourself, but it's uh, but sometimes <laughs> you actually uh, you know if you can you know draw upon the support of others to uh, to kind of tickle you when you're not ready, then you're actually like it's not that we can ask to be tickled because we can probably like you know, but uh, but the idea that there can be uh, you know and whether it be tickling or that metaphor of of being able to elicit a response of being you know like a connected with the world in a in a different way a way that we ha- weren't anticipating so that's that's i think that's uh because i think in a way that's uh that that kind of encountering the infinite scroll is is kind of looking for that that hit that will never be quite as good as the previous hit you know the the kind of you know the conflation of ideas that is somehow inherent in a um in an upload that you hadn't experienced previously but you know of course it's just it's a smaller and smaller you know like return on investment you know but there'll be enough it'll because it's very very similar to the uh, psychology of casinos and kind of slot machines and almost to the extent that you get upset when you actually do come across something um that's uh that's inspirational or kind of a a, a jackpot because it's kind of uh, you know anyway but there's there's um there's a whole, whole lot of psychological research in that as well but i think that's that if anything we're we're seeking almost the in, in exact opposite of that, that not that it can be exact but uh but a an ongoing kind of um uh, undermining of signification that uh, that causes a requirement to, you know, almost collapse through the, the the layers of abstraction back to being, you know, being in the world in some way or another, and that's that's kind of if we achieve that, even even for ourselves, then we'll we'll have had a great time and uh, hopefully like. And I think that we have to a certain extent, uh, I mean, in this, the research for this. So it's a, uh, if that provides some kind of cues or prompts as to how other people might do it for themselves and do it and, in different ways. And if they can share how they did it, that's what we're interested in. We're not really interested in directing people as to how, how to get there other than like how to um, maybe uh, embolden people to experiment for themselves. I'm interested in this exchange being aphonic or, I mean, uh, how do you kind of see the reduction or, you know, removal of sonic qualities to, I mean, in the context of Liquid Architecture being a, you know, a sound art organization, like, yeah, what do you actually think of the practice of, you know, muting, muffling, silencing? And yeah, how, how is it activated in, in this project? Yeah, I don't necessarily see it as a silencing. I actually see it as a, as the complete op- opposite in a way I think it's um you know it's poetry for eyes and ears and that sound needn't just be noise but I don't think we're kind of um the rules aren't that tight you know I think the requirement of a phonic is is really just a poetic kind of indicator rather than a kind of complete muffle wouldn't you agree um Kingery? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that, uh, that in a way it's actually, and it really kind of uh, expands on the point that was being made earlier around the effects of um, the, you know, various aspects of the either the political climate that we're in or the kind of the divisive nature of kind of uh, discourse on uh, on these platforms and uh, and that in a way this is be- being able to inhabit a um, a structure that uh, that is becomes so noisy that uh, that it's very difficult for nuance to be kind of uh, communicated and and to kind of um, explore alternative processes for being able to re 
uh, reconnect with that nuance and um, and also bridge in multiple ways, like uh, difference toward a, a kind of a, a generative unity without collapsing the kind of the, the nuance of that difference in, in its I think, I mean, yeah, pausing also, yeah, um, these notions of exchange or, you know, kind of, there is the generative silence, I think as well, which is maybe pointed to in, yeah, some of these practices. And I wondered about kind of how non-participation, like, you know, that, oh, you kind of pointed to that, um, you know, by receiving the work, you know, you look over it, there's a kind of conceptual response. Yeah, what you kind of think of... uh, you know, the refusal of exchange or, you know, kind of what is the, you know, the shadow exchange or, you know, what is the unwanted kind of gift in some way? Does that have relevance? Yeah, I mean, it's because I don't think it's a gratuitous so much. A, like, you know, it's, it's not like where there's already been a, a con- contract of sorts uh, of people following liquid architecture, so aligning their kind of values to a certain extent with the organisation. So that there's been a, a, um, a, a already a kind of a, a you know, a, a contract of sorts to kind of be kept in the loop of what um, liquid architecture um, considers to be of interest. So I think that there's, that it's not, it's not like a, we're cold calling, you know, people with some sort of directive as to how they should see the world. I mean, and I think that uh, because there is a very um, open way of in- interpreting these, then it's actually, you know, it's, it, it's not forcing some kind of like, you know, participation. Uh, I'm pretty uncomfortable with like various aspects of um, participation, but I think that so it's not like everyone's sitting in the front row of a comedy show where they're going to be um you know suddenly kind of dragged on stage you know but i think that there is it's that non-response or non-participation is absolutely fine and possibly further to your point about it in you know uh, participating through just contemplating the idea of it that it's you know it's possible that you know there there is no non-participation that's actually yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah which maybe speaks to some of the I mean, yeah, this project is, I mean, delivered on Instagram, but the kind of uh, ubiquitous nature of, you know, these platforms and how they affect, you know, the ways that we exchange are kind of, uh, uh, you know, because they exist in the world, they are almost unavoidable. So, yeah, I think how we kind of attenuate our attention to them or, yeah, how we are able to activate them in different ways is really vital. So, yeah, uh, what other kind of unexpected or expected kind of outcomes for um, people engaged in this? What is yeah, well, maybe to to connect it back to um, uh, you know curriculum or p- pedagogy. Um, you know, one question that uh, I remember just to use metaphors like the um, you know if you've got a, a flowing river, um, you know, or how do you actually pick water out of the river with a with a net? And it's kind of, you know, one way of doing it is to, you know, it might, might be difficult to imagine the um, how the refrigerator got in, involved in the um, conceptual kind of thought experiment that I'm, I'm putting forward here. But, um, okay, just so you, just just on the off chance that you can actually, you know, freeze that ongoing flowing, the continuum into ice cubes that are kind of like a little bit larger than the, uh, the structure of the net. Well, it, it provides the capacity to at least hold that flow momentarily. So if, um, if these kind of, you know, memes gifts kind of like um you know sort of stock cubes of experience that are uh, that you know comprise the or make up the the you know tessellations that the 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 kind of mosaic of the influence scroll it's kind of a a um I, I guess an aspiration that i have that's that this mode of being able to take stock of your experience 
and enable it to be shared in a meaningful and generative way with others. That is, you know, uh, that's a stock cube of my hopes for what might happen. You know, that's the, the stone soup of... Um, of realization that our all of our you know life experiences you know everyone's kind of like uh, different ways of uh, um, experiencing the world is incredibly rich and kind of um, bountiful if it's if it's framed in in certain ways and and it's all all it needs is a catalyst to enable that to be shared and uh, if this can be that in some way shape or form I, I would be immensely happy yeah wonderful I think that's uh you know, a, a positive, generative, uh, generous kind of way for us to maybe uh, conclude this discussion. Yeah, I'd just like to say that I'm yeah so thankful for the opportunity to speak with you both today um, and really looking forward to Ephonic Exchange, which is happening on uh, the 23rd till 31st of October on Liquid Architecture's uh, Instagram page. And yeah, thanks so much for your time, Kerry and Roseanne. This recording was produced by Mara Schwitt-Vega for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Boon Wurrung and Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land and recognize that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organization for artists working with sound and listening. To learn more head to liquidarchitecture.org.au